Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. Let's begin today by opening our Bibles to Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve disciples, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But for those who are outside, everything comes in parables so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and it would be forgiven them. In 1956, Earl Nightingale was about to take a trip but wanted to leave a message for his sales force. He got up in the middle of the night, inspired to write a message that he recorded the next morning. That message became one of the most important and famous motivational recordings ever made. It's called The Strangest Secret. It sold over a million copies and is the only gold record ever achieved for the spoken word. Its message is simple, yet powerful. You become what you think about. And it became the basis for the Nightingale Connet Corporation. Many thousands of people have attributed this recording with turning their lives around and helping them make their fortunes in the world. You become what you think about. Huh. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the evening tide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. Genesis 24:63. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Joshua 1 verse 8 But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalms 1 and 2 I will meditate in thy precepts, and have respect unto thy ways. Psalm 119 15 Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians 4, chapter 8. And let's look at what Paul's advice to the young preacher Timothy was in 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, 
which was granted to you through words of prophecy with the laying on of the hands by the council of elders. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to the teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. It seems the Bible was telling us this message all along. You become what you think about. The human mind is much like a farmer's land. The land gives the farmer a choice. He may plant in that land whatever he chooses. The land doesn't care what is planted. It's up to the farmer to make the decision. The mind, like the land, will return what you plant. But it doesn't care what you plant. If the farmer plants two seeds, and one a seed of corn, the other nightshade, a deadly poison, waters and takes care of the land, what will happen? Remember, the land doesn't care. It will return poison in just as wonderful abundance as it will corn. So up come the two plants and one corn, one poison. As it is written in the Bible, as ye sow, so shall ye reap. The human mind is far more fertile, far more incredible and mysterious than the land, but it works the same way. It doesn't care what we plan success or failure, a concrete worthwhile goal or confusion, misunderstanding, fear, anxiety, and so on. But what we plant, it must return to us. The problem is that our mind comes as standard equipment at birth. It's free. And things that are given to us for nothing, we place little value on. Things that we pay money for, we value. The paradox is that exactly the reverse is true. Everything that's really worthwhile in life came to us free. And our minds, our souls, our bodies, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, our intelligence, our love of family and children and friends and country, all these priceless possessions are free. But the things that cost us money are actually very cheap and can be replaced at any time. A good man can be completely wiped out and make another fortune. He can do that several times. Even if our home burns down, we can rebuild it. But the things we got for nothing, we can never replace. Earl Nightingale be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6 and 7. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 24. Jesus said, 
Consider the ravens, that they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. And which of you, by worrying, can add a day to his lifespan? Therefore, if you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about the other things? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither labor nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly seek, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided to you. So Jesus is obviously telling us that what we should be sowing in our mind is God's kingdom and his righteousness. The mind will then produce that for us, and God will provide everything else for us. Let's back up a little bit to Luke chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus said, But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. He's telling us to keep our minds focused on the one entity who can do more than kill the body, and that is destroy the soul, which would be God. Focusing our mind on God, planting God in our mind's field, if you will, will return God unto us. That's what Earl Nightingale was trying to tell us. You reap what you sow. Let's sow God and God's precepts so that we may reap God and His righteousness. It is somewhat amazing to me that Mr. Nightingale and the Bible are telling us the same things. Plant the truths of God in our minds, which we received at no cost, and allow the mind to do its magic in bearing fruit for us. Goals In the recording, Mr. Nightingale states that a man without a goal is like a ship without a rudder. We need to know that which it is we are striving for. The things we want more than anything else. And once we have those goals, whenever we have a negative thought pop in our mind or encounter a challenging situation, we should quickly remember and visualize the goal. 
What is the goal of the Christian? Philippians 3 and 14 I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Revelations 21 verses 1 through 3 And if we look at Revelations, let's actually turn there. To the same chapter, chapter 21, but jump down to verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city. Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very valuable stone, like a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. And names were written on the gates, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length, width, and height are equal. And he measured its wall, 144 cubits, by human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation stones of this city were all decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. 
and the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices an abomination and lying, shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. John is describing our goal to have our name written in that book of life, to have that city which he described as our permanent, eternal dwelling place. The strangest secret is that there is no secretness. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Let's pay closer attention to a few words here. God was manifest in the flesh. Manifest meaning clear or obvious to the eye or mind. God was clear or obvious in the flesh. Paul says justified in the spirit. Justified, meaning having, done for, or marked by a good or legitimate reason. What was the legitimate reason that God was clear or obvious in the flesh? And then seen by angels, preached unto the nations that were not of Israel, believed on in the world, and then received back up in the glory? For you and for me to have eternal life with God, where there will only be day, God will provide the light of the world, and the gates of that city will never be closed. Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone that which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.